We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Coachable Podcast. Around here, we believe that life is the ultimate training ground for finding out what you are truly made of. I'm your host, Tori Gordon, high performance coach and breathwork facilitator. And each week, I share intimate conversations and inspirational stories from some of the world's most successful people. It's time to stop standing on the sidelines of your life and get your head and your heart back in the game. So take a seat, grab a pen, because you're going to want to take notes as I pull back the curtain on the tools, resources, and inspiration that you need to unlock your inner champion. Welcome back to the Coachable Podcast, you guys. I hope you are doing amazing. I just want to say I love you. I'm so glad you're here for another episode and another week of this show. I hope you're getting a lot from it. There is a very special guest that I have today, Monica Berg, who is the co-host of the popular podcast, Spiritually Hungry, the author of Fear is Not an Option and Rethink Love. She's the mother of four kids and a self-professed change junkie. She has lectured all over the world, and she's the chief communications officer for the Kabbalah Center International. She's been featured all over the news, Good Morning America, The Talk, Home and Family, you name it, you've probably, she's probably been featured there. And uh, this is a beautiful conversation around fear and overcoming fear and coming face to face with the things that scare us most. And um, I think you'll get a ton of value from it. I have been practicing for the last several years, moving towards the things that scare me. And um, this is an important conversation because fear holds us so back from so many things and it steals so much of our joy and our potential and our time and our time and our potential and our energy are our greatest assets. You know, you, if you've been here for a while, you know, I say that a lot, but I want to talk to you just briefly about some of the fears that, um, I have had to face. And, uh, I talk a lot about that in this show, but just recently, you know, over the last couple months, you know, I guys know I'm on a, sh- a road trip. You know that I've been traveling solo. A lot has changed for me um, in the past few months in 2022. Left Atlanta, put everything in storage, started this this trip because I really wanted to to have a deeper experience in allowing life to unfold, of letting go of control and the reins and the need to like figure everything out 
and have a life that I think I should have or what I thought it would look like at 31. I just turned 31 back at the beginning of April. And when I think about my life and where I thought I would be, you know, some fear can come up. It's like, am I not doing enough? Or did I take a wrong turn or make some wrong decisions? Or it's just really refreshing and beautiful when you allow yourself to sit with the possibility that what if nothing's wrong? What if actually everything is right? What if actually I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be experiencing the thing I need to be experiencing in this moment? Like how would your fear and anxiety dissipate? And um, there's some real rational fears out there, you guys, for sure. And and Monica and I dive into those. But there are some that that really aren't and that keep us living a small, limited life. Um, And so I am looking forward to, to you guys uh, hearing this episode because my, my greatest desire for you is that you would not allow fear to be in the driver's seat of your life, that you wouldn't let it dictate the choices and the decisions that you make, that you wouldn't make a choice and then not do anything to follow that up because of fear that you talked yourself out of your, out of it, or you negotiated, or you just let that anxiety creep in. Um, there's so much life that wants to be lived through you, but it is on the other side of saying yes to the thing that scares you. And the unknown is super scary. It is. It's scary until you walk into it and then you realize that it embraces you and it hugs you and it loves you. And there's more magic and miracles that's happening in the unknown than you would have ever thought. Because what's in the unknown is not just all your fears. It's also all of your desires, all of your, your deepest longings. Like It's on the other side. It's in the unknown. It's in that, that future that has not yet been written yet. And you can't write it unless you're willing to go there. So... That's what you had to look forward to and expect from the show. If you are loving it, if you want to say thank you, if you want to see this podcast grow, if you want to help me out, then I would love for you to go to wherever you're listening to this show. Make sure you're subscribed and leave a five-star rating and review. And if you do that and you send a screenshot to support at ToriGordon.com, we're going to send you a uh, code to get Monica's book, Fear is Not an Option. We're going to send you a code that will give it to you for free for a month. Um, But you have to send me the screenshot of your review and your rating. And then our team will make sure you get that code so that you can get your book for free. Um, Thank you. Thank you for being here. I love you guys. Um, Before we jump into this week's episode, we're going to hear a word from our sponsors. If you're like me, you know the importance of eating healthy, but you don't always have the time or the willpower to cook with all the colors of the rainbow. But Organifi's superfood blends make it super easy and enjoyable to add more variety and nutrition to your day. These are delicious organic powders you can just add to water, stir with a spoon, and enjoy any time for more energy, nutrition, hormone balance, and peace of mind. They are a great way to jumpstart your morning, energize your afternoon, or nourish your evening. And I absolutely love their green, red, and gold juice. 
They are my favorite. And if you go to Organifi.com slash Tori Gordon and use the code Tori20 at checkout, you can grab any of their products for 20% off. And that is from our good friends at Organifi, my absolute favorite and must have on the road. So if you are like me and you're struggling to, to like get everything in, but you want a healthy lifestyle, Organifi is your go-to place. That's Organifi.com slash Tori Gordon and use Tori20 at checkout. Monica, welcome to the show. I'm super excited to have you here and have this opportunity to get to know you and dive into some really important topics that I know you and I are both passionate about. But let me just first of all say welcome and how are you doing on a Monday? How's it going in New York? On a Monday. It's good. It's busy. I feel like I have been uh, up and busy for many hours already today, mm-hmm. but I'm super excited to spend this time with you. Yeah. Do you have an early, are you an early morning, early riser? I know you got four kids, so I can imagine that they might get you up, but do you have like a, a specific morning routine that you stick to? I do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I am a morning person, but for me to be a functional morning person, I need to have a good night's sleep mm-hmm. <laughs> at this point in my life. Um, and with four kids, it's honestly not the younger ones that, uh, keeps me they keep me up it's the older <laughs> you know my oldest is 22 my youngest is eight and so it's wow. like the big life problems that are you know that come up when yeah. you're that age what am I going to do who am I going to be what's my passion what's my mission and I think interestingly it's a question we will continue to ask ourselves until we take time to find the answer to that question so I spend a lot of time trying to do that for my kids and for people that um, come to me for help because we are always seeking by nature, but I've actually not answered your question. So yes, I do have a routine. Mm-hmm. Um, I wake up uh, before everybody else does because I do need um, silence and a cup of coffee before I can help anybody else in my house. And then uh, and then I get them all out the door and then uh, I work out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a meditation before that, um, prayers, and then uh, work out and then start to work. That's yeah. pretty much every day. So you got, yeah, you get a lot in early, packed in the early part of the day, and then you get to hang out with folks like me maybe on on Monday. So I'm excited to have you, and I and I just from the little bit you've already shared, um, feel like this conversation can just head in that direction around being just seeking seeking meaning and purpose, and asking and wrestling with this question of who am I, and who do I want to be, and that is, I think, one of the most uh, fundamental questions that as human beings we can allow ourselves to sit with and um, question. Because in my experience, you know, when I think about my journey of self-discovery and the spiritual path and kind of awakening to new uh, new stories around identity and who I am, am I, it required me to... Um, ask myself, um, and have the space to think about who do I, who do I want to be? Who am I right now? What does my life look like right now? What do I want it to look like? And what's in the way? What's preventing me? What's, what's the roadblock or obstacle to becoming that version of myself? And I'd love for you to, to share your journey with that, that question of, who am I? Because there's so many identities that we have, right? I'm a mother, I'm a podcaster, I'm a business owner, I'm a friend, I'm a wife. 
how do we begin that search if there are people that are listening or somebody like, you know, your son or daughter who's at that age that they're kind of figuring out um, maybe what's next for them? Where do you tell people to, to begin or where, where did that, that journey of seeking start for you? Well, I think the first step is before people are able to even ask themselves those questions, like what is my purpose or my potential or um, what makes me happy? Where do I want to spend my time? Of course, we do that naturally when we're 18, 19, 20, because they're, the changes are obvious, right? You need to figure out how to make a living. You need to you know, leave your parents' home. You need to create your own. So there's that external pressure. I think, though, unless you catch where your thoughts reside in your belief system of, you know, are you living your life for somebody else? Are you doing what other people expect you to do? Um, you're never going to have those times of having an honest conversation with yourself and being really transparent and authentic with yourself because we're so busy with the external, right? So it's tricky because that's how we grow up, right? We get our cues from external feedback. You know, our parents proud of us. Did we make our teacher happy? That's kind of how we learn if we're successful or not. And I actually think we should challenge that model early on, really. We would save a lot of people money in therapy and frustration and sadness and confusion if we start to understand that although we get feedback from external things, it's our responsibility to make sure that the most profound influence that we have is from internal, which means that you need to feed your internal. You need to make sure that you take the time to hear what you desire, what your calling is, what lights you up, and that you take that voice seriously. Um, so I think that even before a person can do what you're doing, as you just said, where, you know, what's next for me or where do I want to be, which is something we honestly need to do every single day mm -hmm. of our lives, right? And certainly in small ways, right? And in big ways, every year, two, three years, make sure you're doing things that are outside of your comfort zone, that you're constantly, because we are by nature seeking beings. And if we're not seeking the right thing, unfortunately, we're going to seek the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. So I think it just starts with pause right now in this moment. And where are you, where do you put most weight in? You know, again, is it that external, the approval, the need for people to see you or notice you or like you or to fit in? And how much energy do you expend there every day versus pausing and saying, you know, how I'm spending my time this day, is it making me happy? Is it filling me up? Um, that, that's number one, really. Yeah, yeah. And I, it takes me to a thought of, like, even before that, our perception of who we are is really a byproduct initially of who people, the world has told us that we are, who our parents, our teachers, you know, society, culture. It's like we believe who we are based on what is being fed to us. Like the, the responses, the feedback we're getting from life is, is, is the world a good place or is it a bad place? Is it friendly or is it scary? Um, I, when I do certain things, I get love and attention and affection. When I don't, you know, then this is, you know, maybe it, something's wrong with me. And so our perception of who we are, what we're worthy or capable of is, is really ingrained based on that feedback that we get, especially in the first seven years of life. And then what I have found is that it, every people come to a, a like a crossroads, especially around for me, it was in my 20s, in my late 20s, um, where I really finally started to question that and detach from the stories that I had 
been telling myself about who I was in my life and started to say, is that really true? And is that true because I say it is or because I've agreed with someone else that that's true? And I started to become aware that I had the power to change those narratives. And for many people, they're, they are stuck in this, this is just who I am. This is just my personality. I'm just outgoing or I'm just a, you know, introvert. This is just who I am. And I encourage people to say, is that true? Like, is that who you are? Or is that a byproduct of something else of the way you grew up or the society or the neighborhood or something, something else? Can I ask you a question? When sure. did you have that awareness? What was your, did something happen or mm -hmm. what made you stop and actually check? Cause we really do need to challenge what we've accepted as truth our right. whole lives, because often it's not, it's somebody else's truth. So when was that moment for you? Yeah, I came into that awareness in a unique way. And I would probably say it was, it was after the death of my mother. I had a, about a 10 year span where I lost a lot of family, um, back to back. I lost my sister, grand, three grandparents and uncle and my mom. Yeah. And yeah, so it was a significant loss over a period of time. And during that time, I never had time to fully grieve or process what was happening because they were very consecutive. But when my mom passed, um, I was with her body after she passed. And again, I was reminded of being with my sister when we took her off life support and being with her body and thinking, okay, she's here one moment and then she's not but her body's here, her container's here. So where is she? Because her life force, her essence has obviously transitioned. And I, I grew up in Alabama, Southern, like in the Bible belt, there was very traditional views on conservative, conservative traditional views on what happens after death. But this was a very visceral, real experience for me to recognize that I am not just a body. I'm not just a body. So if I'm not just a body and my consciousness and my awareness isn't just located in the body because that life force was obviously somewhere else, um, it made me start to question, well, who am I? If I'm not just this, what else am I? And so it led me down a very spiritual metaphysical path of understanding energy and vibration and consciousness and awareness. And so... I don't know, you know, for me, it was very um, unique in that way, but it was this light bulb moment that I am so much more than I think I am. And my, my perception was such a very skewed, limited, small um, perception of the vast, expansive, like, true definition of, of who I am at my core, at my deepest essence. And so, yeah, it's taken me down many, many roads since then. But I think that was the first light bulb moment for me that was like, what if I'm not what I think I am? What they say I am. How long ago mm -hmm. was that? So I lost four years ago. My mom passed in 2018. Yeah. So that was. And your uh, sister, uh, how long before that? She was in 2011. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's yeah. a lot. It's interesting yeah, like, that, I mean, we have a lot in common. I was actually born in Thibodeau, Louisiana. Um, okay. So I was raised in the South. And um, a year ago, this Friday, my father passed. Mm. And two years ago in August, my mother-in-law passed, who, I was, who was also my mentor. 
and teacher, and I was with um, their bodies as well. And it's something interesting that happens. I mean, I've been on a spiritual path since I was 18. So I, I kind of came into the world knowing I kept waiting for like, when I was a kid, I'm like, when am I going to be called on to be of service? Like, just Same. waiting, like, I don't know what I'm doing here. It's kind of like a waste of time. I think I'll roller skate, you know, or I'll learn to ride a bike. But that's really what it felt like um, as a child. But when I was with them, when they were elevating and they were leaving their bodies, it for me was another level of understanding death and that right. um, it's not really death. It's just the death of the body and that the soul right. is now going to the next stage of growth and elevation. And it, yeah. it opened another window of spirituality for me in terms of how I feel about death and um, and also the urgency of creating the life that you want and constantly doing that. Even though I found my purpose so long ago, it still needs to be redefined and changed and edited and expands, become more expansive in the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that was one of the greatest gifts that I've received from um, the experiences that I've had. And I don't even like to call them losses because I don't believe they're lost. <laughs> um, but I was the appreciation and the urgency to live my life now. Mm -hmm. And that um, I'm working on a project on, on my first book and um, I was sitting with the question, why is now the time? And I could have said, well, all the right things are in place. You know, we've got the agent and we've got a great idea and we've got the support and we've got the backing and we've got the audience. That's not why it's the time. The time is because now is the time. Now is the only time. Exactly. <laughs> and that this wants to come through me, it happens now. And there's this saying, it's like, there's five frogs on a log, four of them decide to jump off. How many frogs are on the log? Well, and there's five. Exactly. <laughs> there's five because, because they decided. Four. Decided, right. Yeah, they decided. They didn't jump. And so it's a matter of not of combining your decision and your clarity and your intention with the action. And, um, and in the face of that, a lot of fear comes up, which I know is a topic that you love to discuss. So I would love to hear for you, like, how do you think fear plays a role in our ability to make aligned choices for our lives and pursue the things that do feel expansive, do feel in inspiring, as opposed to staying in the familiar, comfortable traditional path that we might be on well it's kind of like the the five frogs right i mean i knew the answer right away because that word decided like nothing in life happens until you decide and then you follow it up by immediate action right so i'm really right. big on the action part of living and by the way it has to be immediate or you'll find another reason or excuse or fear will creep in and you won't do it um i think that we need to first realize that fear is something we all are born with and um and it, it comes along for the ride throughout our lives, but it's up to us to put it in its place. You know, is it in the driver's seat or are you in the driver's seat? The thing about fear is that if you don't challenge your fears as they come up, you're going to carry them with you and then you're going to develop another fear and another fear and another fear and you take that along. Interestingly enough, um, my eight-year-old has a lot of fears and it, when I was a kid, I had a fear of elevators and I actually didn't overcome the fear until I moved to New York and I wrote my first book, Fear is Not an Option. And 
I think that I had had enough tools and experience in life to understand fear, but also I couldn't take the fear of elevators to New York because you need to be in an elevator pretty much all the time. But I can't tell you, you know, when I was um, I'm a marathon runner, I've, when I would go on like long runs, I'd have no water by the time I was finished. And I'd be, have to go up to an elevator and I was on the 20th floor, like if we were at a hotel, you know, in California, whatever, I would climb the flight of stairs, even if I had run 15 miles and I was parched because I was like, what if I get stuck and I don't have my phone and I don't have water and then I'm, you know, all of these things. And I just decided I'm not bringing this fear along with me. But my eight-year-old just developed that fear, that exact same fear. And mm -hmm. I'm thinking, well, she never saw me have the fear because I, I eliminated it before she was born. And then of course epigenetics comes into the mix and what did she feel when she was in utero and how much is that transferred but she's like starting to collect fears now she has a fear of flying and then she had a fear of the airport and i'm like okay listen you picked the wrong family to come into to have all these fears because we travel a lot and i'm not going to like i'm not going to indulge this we have to get so i give her some of the tools from the book um but what I realized in my journey is that we all have the same fear, and that's fear of the unknown. And again, because we really are seekers and we want to feel comfortable and we want to feel certain and that knowing is so important to us, the fear of the unknown can feel really quite enormous and it feels like we're paralyzed or we're stuck. So when we realize that that's what we all, you know, you'll never really know. And I'm sure that you can attest to that with your life experience that you just shared. You do not know how much time you have in this world. You do not know. You can have a plan for today. You woke up this morning. You don't know how the day is going to evolve. So it became this whole thing of embracing fear. And I've defined it. There's three different categories. And we can go through that if you'd like. Um, and now I'm working on a book about change because they go hand in hand. You have to be able to change the way you view your life and the way you view your day and not fear the unknown, but in fact, embrace it because that's where true freedom lies. When you can really embrace the idea that we just don't know, you can have goals, you can have intentions, you can have a plan, but you also need to become equal parts flexible that if that doesn't work out, what else can I do or where should I be? And that's really when you live a happy life where fear no longer dictates what you will or will not do. Um, for me, I always rather the pain of discipline than the pain of regret. So anything that has scared me, um, or if I ever get frightened about something now, you better believe it's the first thing I'm going to actually do. Yeah, yeah, I know. I follow my fear is one of my sayings. It's like, that's the thing. The thing I'm most afraid to do is the thing I need you to must do most. Do. Yeah, and it's, hearing you talk about change as the follow-up to fear is exactly where my mind went because when you were saying that our we all fear the unknown i have faced that head on myself in many ways and what i realize is i have the ability to choose how i what i project onto the unknown right i can change my mind from thinking oh if things don't don't go as planned and this thing comes out of the blue and it derails things that can be a bad i can make that mean something bad or wrong is happening or i can project a better future oh this is happening for me there's something else unfolding that i didn't even i couldn't have ever planned for that i'm going to meet somebody that i wasn't expecting and this opportunity is going to come or this doorway is going to present itself and we get to be the like the bouncer of our mind and decide, am I going to view the unknown as a negative 
or a positive because we, I think fear defaults us into negative thinking of that, that because something I wasn't planning for or unexpected happened, we automatically think that that's bad. And my experience, especially as I, over the last couple months, I put everything in storage, started this road trip, solo traveling, had no idea really where I was going to go, who I was going to meet. I believe that I wanted this to be an experiment in daily walking into the unknown and, and being surprised by life, not having to force and manipulate and control it, but like what is going to unfold today that I was never expecting or that I couldn't have ever planned for. And I, I, I think that change is a beautiful follow-up to that because we get to change the story that we're telling about the unknown and if it's a bad thing or not. I think that's so powerful what you're doing. I really do. I think everybody should do it. Um, I think it's so necessary to wake up in a different environment every day because it changes your perspective about life, about your place in life. And one, and it also awakens appreciation because you see how different people in the world are living. And then you have a reference point of like what your life is. I think we get into trouble when we take our, our daily routine or just the thing that's right in front of us too seriously, because it's just such a small, small, small piece of existence. Um, and when it comes to change, and I really am type A, by the way, person, I did not come into this world being like, yes, change is awesome. I was like, no, because it makes sense. Most of the changes in life are the ones that are unexpected. They're often something we don't want. They might be painful mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. change sounds horrible, right? Who wants all this change? And also mm-hmm. we work really hard to achieve and collect the things that we have, right? You go to school so that you can get a great job, so you can have a home, a family, you feel secure, you feel safe. What's What do you mean change? Like it took me a long time to get here or get these things, but we don't realize we're creating a prison for ourselves. Really happiness is on the other side of all of that. And it doesn't mean that you have to let go of the things that you have, but it's more about mindset. You know, it's about being open. Um, you missed your flight. Okay. Maybe you weren't supposed to be on that flight or mm-hmm. you have now a few, you know, free hours. I mean, this happened to my husband and I, we were um, going to a birthday party, a destination 40th for a friend. And it was a bunch of us on a flight and we, the person in front of us got on the flight and we didn't like we, it was the cutoff. We we're like one minute too late. So we could have been mm. upset and what are we going to miss out? Instead, we looked at each other. We we're like, we haven't had any alone time in such a long time. Let's just do a date in the airport. And our airports are pretty awesome now. I mean, there's like a massage if you want it. You can go have something nice to eat or a drink, or you can just walk around and talk. So we had such a great time. Actually, we got on the next flight. Funnily enough, their flight that we missed was so there was it was full of turbulence people were vomiting they were screaming like they were terrified and ours was completely smooth no issue but more than that it's not even how it turned out it was just like okay that happened so now what are other options and it's the same thing with fear and that's why i called the book fear is not an option because when fear is no longer an option and you tell yourself that you're going to look for other viable options so it's about retraining Mm -hmm. how how you respond to what happens mm-hmm. in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's making the best of the situation that's presented to you. Because I know you talk about a lot of uh, the things that fear steals from us. And just hearing you share that story about your husband, it's like if you had allowed that to steal your joy in the moment or ruin your day or think I'm missing out, like 
you wouldn't be able to experience and have that connection. You know, you would be, your mind would be thinking about all the things that you're not getting to participate in or be part of. And I think when you reclaim the story you tell about your circumstance, you get to be present with it instead of constantly living in your head and in scenarios and worst case scenarios, which just exacerbates the fear and the anxiety. But also you empower yourself because, you know, I think often Mm. people feel like a victim and, oh, this happened to me or that other bad thing happened to me and, oh, why did this happen? Or I'm not deserving. And it's so complicated. And much of it is a lot of negative self-talk where we're like, okay, this happened. And also people often blame each other. I know many couples like, oh, you know, you made us late and that's why we missed the flight. And whatever it is and it's just such a waste of time it really deters us and distracts us from from happiness but also from what we're meant to do because when you see life as things that happen to you rather than through you you're going to live a very different life and you're not really going to be happy with it Mm -hmm. what are some of the fears that you've had to overcome in or that you're currently like faced with because one of the things that i I've been thinking about over the last couple years is that, and you might've even said this, is that fear never really goes away, right? It, it's, I just learn how to manage it and, and work with it differently. Like every time I invest in a, a new mentor or I start a road trip or I go to a new city or I let go of something, like I'm scared. I'm, I'm, the fear is still there. It's still present, but I, I've got context for it and I know that it doesn't have to be in the driver's seat. What has been your experience with fear? Is it, is it still there for you? And if so, like, how do you move through it when it comes up? So yeah, a fear is one of the emotions that we have. So it will always be there. What changes is its intensity. It becomes, you know, and also how long at the duration of it, right? Um, and then the third part is you can also transform it and it can no longer be a fear. So it depends on what kind of fears. Um, so let me take Mm -hmm. you through that because I think it's going to help your listeners as a, as a really great tool. So there's three types of fear I write about in my book. There's healthy, there's real, and there's illogical. So healthy is like it sounds. It's set up for our survival and our protection. It's there to keep us safe. If you're hiking, don't go too close to the edge of a cliff. Don't put your hand too close to an open flame. Um, And also intuition is kind of rooted in that as well in terms of, you know, that gut feeling when you have a sense about somebody Mm -hmm. or, you know, you're about to turn a dark corner and something says, no, you know, cross the street, those kinds of things. It's there for our survival and our protection. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's a great story actually um, in my book that I write about too. It's, there's this woman named Carol Durant from Murray, Utah. And she was approached one day from, um, by a police officer and said, somebody's broken into your car and we've apprehended them. They're at the station. Will you come with me to make sure that, you know, these are your things basically. And she got that weird sixth sense in her stomach. And she said, you know, can I see your ID, your badge? He showed it to her. So she went with them, but she was reluctant about it. They get in his car, they're driving down the highway. And she notices that they're actually driving in the opposite direction of the police station. And because she was weary of this person, she already had her hand on the door and um, and she's trying to open it. And he the, is driving and he's trying to handcuff her other arm, right? So she's able to jump out of the moving car. He stops, a fight ensues on the side of the road and miraculously she escapes. 
Three days later, she's reading the newspaper and she reads about a similar story that this girl was told the story and was pulled over and then she was raped and killed and they caught the person and it was serial killer Ted Bundy. Mm. So she was one of the very few, actually, I think there was three that escaped him. So that's th that fear, by the way, healthy fear, let's keep that one, right? Then there's real right. fear. It's rooted in reality as well. It's like fear of death, of illness, um, of losing our loved ones. But even this kind of fear can be transformed or useful, meaning that if, for instance, you fear losing your parents, right? Many people ruminate about that, right? They fear that their whole lives and they worry about it and, um, and, and they just stay stuck in a negative thought and they imagine it, right? So what I'm suggesting is mm -hmm. make sure that the time you spend with your family is meaningful, is you're connecting, you tell each other, you love each other, there's appreciation and gratitude. Use that, right? To really be present and fully right. there with the people that you love most. And then there's illogical fear. And this is where we spend most of our time, by the way. It, it, this is what really consumes us. It makes us feel paralyzed. Our heart's beating, our palms are sweating, right? It's the fear of rejection, fear of public speaking, fear of elevators, of cockroaches, of flying. I mean, I speak to so many people that just haven't flown in years, even though they love to travel because they can't get on a plane. Or just recently I met with somebody and if he, if he gets on a plane, which he hasn't in seven years, he needs to take medication and take a red eye so he can sleep the whole time and he feels like a failure. So he won't even do it that way unless he can do it without any help or assistance, which is ridiculous also, mm -hmm. right? So we do all kinds of things to ourselves. And what ends up happening is that fear steals our most valuable possession, which what would you guess that is? Our time. Our potential, right? Because it's all the things we could do, we could become, we could see, we could share, we could experience that we just don't because fear is there and it's strong and we take it so seriously. And the irony is that we go to great lengths to protect our valuables, right? We lock our bikes right. to a rack, we lock our front door, our cars, we put an alarm on, we put our jewelry in a safe, our money in the bank. Because if not, people can just take it. But when it comes to fear, we let it take so much of our joy, our life, and our potential experience, right? So mm -hmm. I think that when you look at it that way, you're like, okay, I'm not gonna be an idiot anymore. <laughs> I'm actually going to take this back and really meet it full yeah. on. So when I was yeah. a kid, um, and I didn't actually tackle this till I started to look back at my life and I saw a theme. So the biggest fear that I could remember my first was uh, fear of catching schizophrenia because I have an uncle who is and I saw him in my eight-year-old mind um, I mean he looked like he was possessed suddenly and nobody explained to me what mental illness was then and even if they had honestly you know I would have been terrified anyway because of pre-genetic disposition <laughs> I mean it would have been scary any which way mm -hmm. but it was kind of like something that was unspoken and so I carried that fear in my adult life. Like I used to hold my breath when I'd run by a homeless person who was talking to themselves, you know, I mean, that kind of thing. Mm. Then uh, I had an eating disorder and uh, that was, I was full of fear then. Um, I had anorexia when I was, it started when I was about 17. I, my second son was born with Down syndrome, full of fear there too. And what I realized that it was all 
rooted in the unknown. And when I figured that out, right, and I understood how completely, yes, something happened in my life that was unfortunate, but then I let it have a life of its own where like, okay, where is this going to lead? And what does that mean? And how am I going to end up? And how will my son be at puberty? Will I be able to teach him and help him? And that was when he was one day old, I was thinking that, right? So the fear just Mm -hmm. like took me to places that weren't useful or purposeful. And so I finally, when I understood, I didn't want to live like that anymore. And it was really having Josh um, through his birth that I was able to reclaim myself. And really, even though, again, I was already living a spiritual existence and I was already probably further along than most, I saw I saw holes in um, things I had learned in, in my belief system and things I thought that I had overcome that I actually hadn't. And, uh, and it was, you know, that was it. it cha- everything changed from that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and as a type A person who has things under control and has a plan, it's when, when something happens that you're not expecting it. It, for me, it's always been a humbling reminder that like I can control what I can control, but there are things that are beyond me that are also coming into my experience for my learning and growth and evolution and can I meet it with that level of acceptance and curiosity of like what is in this for me because for some reason like I have I'm having this experience because otherwise what I've found is I live in a constant state of wondering, am I going to be okay? Like, are we going to be okay? Is this going to work out? Like, am I going to have what I need? Am I going to be able to take care of my child? Like, and if we have this, this subtle, like this belief system that's always running in the background of like, I might not be okay. We're always going to feel some level of low level worry all the time, all the time. And for me, that's what really helped me to deepen my spiritual practices and relationship with the divine of like, what if I really believed that there was a loving, all powerful force that I was, could not be disconnected from? Like, could I afford to relax if I really believed that? And like, would my, would my shoulder soften a little bit? And could I exhale a little bit longer? If, what if I didn't believe I was out here all alone on this, like, you know, planet and it was just up to me to figure it all out? Like, what if there was, what if I was being supported with what I was facing? So when we talk about certainty, most people understand that as security and the way that, um, that I understand certainty through my spiritual practice of Kabbalah is a connection to your source, to the creator. It's that level of knowing and of belonging and, and, and being so sure that you are worth enough, you are valuable enough, and you are worthy of goodness that even if things and when things don't turn out the way you anticipated or desired, it's for your greatest good. And that has been, that is my that is my my mantra that is my belief system uh and it wasn't the one i came into the world with it wasn't the one that i had learned in my home it's the one that i've taken on and that 
that's it. I mean, that is freedom because when you can live like that and it's really a knowing, it's not something I have to convince myself, then you can't really get upset about anything actually. Mm-hmm. I know it's, I've had those moments of like, there's nothing ever wrong. Like it's all, and for somebody who maybe is going through something really challenging, right? Hear me and be like, girl, I want to turn this off right now because don't tell me nothing's wrong. Like I'm struggling out here. My kid's sick right now or whatever you might. And I have so much compassion and love for, for anybody that's in the midst of like a lot of challenge and adversity. And I invite people because I invite myself into this, like wh- how is that perspective serving me, right? That like I am – like it all it always is going to be this harder. It's like up to me or I'm alone or I've got to do this, like make it happen. And if I don't, like things are going to fall apart. Can there be a part of me that opens up to the possibility of um, receiving what I need? And some of the way, I don't know what your practices are, but how at least I would love to hear what your practices are of connecting back to that source because inevitably we forget. Sometimes we just forget that like, yes, I am, I'm going to be okay. In the big scheme of things, all of this is going to be okay. For me, initially, it was just literally feeling like the, the chair or the weight of my body on the floor or whatever. Just like the ground is holding me up. Like I am supported in ways that I might not even consciously be aware of and thinking about, but like the earth is like holding me down, (laughs) you know, I'm not flying and floating away. Like here I am supported. And can I ground into that? Even the, the ways that I don't feel like, maybe I feel like I have no friends. I have no one in my life that's there for me, but can I find the like sturdiness of this thing beneath me? That was one of the ways that it, I initially like connected into that support system. So what I hear you saying, and this is uh, one of my answers, is that you were able to tap back into appreciation and gratitude for just being, right? And I think, I think there's two things really, because what has helped me is understanding that life is going to happen to all of us. And often it's the things that we never thought would happen and we never anticipated, right? We fear the things that that actually don't come true. The ones that actually happen, I never thought of it. I never thought I'd have a child that was born with Down syndrome and find out three hours after I gave birth, you know? And it was really the other shock of it that affected me more than the diagnosis. It was that feeling of like, what? I I didn't see this coming and I don't think I can handle it. So I think that anybody who feels like they're alone and that the, the chaos or the pain that they're going through right now, know that you're not alone. We all have levels of that and we all experience that. It's part of life. And, and, and the understanding is that it's through that, through any often pain or even just any life experience, we're meant to transform, to elevate, to evolve into a higher state of consciousness. And so if we're able to look at it and understand it, and again, that's why you really have to have a belief because if you don't believe in a soul or you don't believe in um, reincarnation, uh-huh. let's say, it's really it's hard to understand this life. Like, what's all this pain about? You know, why do I have to experience right. this? So it, it's, a, it's a very big answer because it's not something that can just, you can't teach somebody. But I, I would say that, number one, understand you're not alone. We're all going through it. And number two, 
you still have a life and you need to be able to find what that is and what that looks like. It's the difference between post-traumatic stress versus post-traumatic growth, right? So somebody, and I, I read about, and I think reading about it, right? Listening to podcasts, hearing other people's stories. That's why I'm such an open book because I hope to inspire people to really be daring enough and brave enough to live their life. Like you're not alone. We all go through chaos. We all go through hard times, but the it's through that darkness, right? that you have an understanding of what light is. You'll never appreciate a candle unless you are in a dark room. And it's the same thing here. It's to be able to say, okay, and I know people who have gone through depression and they've had the darkest times. They're able to see a sunset in a way that, that most people who have never seen darkness can or a starry night because yeah. they've seen a dark place in a way that most of us haven't experienced. So there's a place for all of that, but just know that it's up to you then to be able to choose something else you can have it define you and live a horrible life and miserable which is not what you're meant to do or you can find a way to grow from even the hardest things and then inspire yourself and inspire other people mm -hmm. yeah i actually was just having dinner with a friend here who did a a 30-day silent retreat and then went right into a seven-day oh my god <laughs> where he spent, yeah, seven days in pure and total darkness, but had led up to that with 30 In the days darkness, were they and silent like, also? Wow. Uh, well, he's solo, on your own, in a room. Basically, it's in a blacked out room. They People bring you your food every day. So you're just you and you. Know. You have a bed healthy? and you stay in that, that same room terrible. for like seven <laughs> You're actually talking about fear. Because, but for Fear. like mental well, health, yeah, though, I mean, that, that's got to be, I don't think that's, well, finish your story. It sounds, it's, <laughs> well, you need to be in a, a certain mindset going in. And I think there's a way to like prepare yourself. It's same like a detox or anything. Like you need to get your body in a certain, like ready for that. Be um, I wouldn't and, advise someone yeah. just jumping in. Yeah. And have, have Guidance. some uh support systems and yeah and same with on the integration on the back end mm -hmm. but i've known two people that have done it and they say th their experience with it is so deeply profound over anything else that they've done um and the the awareness and the knowing that comes through in the darkness because um your sense of sight is is gone and so you start to see in other ways and you start to like access other parts of you, like your your voice. And you, he was like, I started singing in the dark, you know, and I'd never used my voice in that way. Even sound. Um, I started attuning my ears, yeah, in ways I'd never done. But coming out, how profound it is to, to have access to the light, the gratitude, the appreciation, just weeping over like the contrast because we learn through contrast. And um, it's beautiful. I don't, you know, it's it's a pretty like rad like you'd have to really be committed to that that level of of experiential learning but when i was hearing you talk it also reminded me of for those that are kind of in the threshold or like of going through a lot of challenge or pain or trauma you know i think there's two parts of us there's like the human brain that's like this sucks and this is unfair and i think more coaches should say things are like yeah, it's unfair. It sucks. It's not like we should say that more, you know, but there's also a, if you have some sort of belief system, it's, if you believe in a soul, that an infinite soul that continues on, 
yet that part of me could probably get behind the fact that this is there's a larger thing playing out that I might not be aware of or that like this will in hindsight serve me in some way or something good can come from this but our humanness is like resist 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 fight 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 and I think there's part of acknowledging both that we don't have to get like that it's not bad that the human part of us is like I'm the first to say um give yourself a moment time to say I don't want this I don't even accept it right now I'm angry whatever you're feeling Mm -hmm. I'm only suggesting that it needs to have a time limit there needs to be a window where then you choose something else I mean I can't remember which book it was but um I wish I did it was a really good book but the author was talking about how he lost his son suddenly like an accident overnight and he didn't get Mm -hmm. to say goodbye he didn't it was just over I think actually the I think the child committed suicide maybe Anyway, he had tremendous guilt and he had so many feelings around it. But eventually he got the message that his son wouldn't want him to live his life like that. And he had other children mm-hmm. and he was married. And he said, I decided all the things, all the regret that I had of not you know, doing with my son. Because then, of course, we look like I, I said no when he wanted to go out this time. Right. You know, there are things that we were looking sure. forward to doing that we'll never be able to do. He said, I put that into the rest of my life. I put that into my other children. I put that into mm-hmm. everything. And and that's what I'm saying, because it's not this. This father has mm-hmm. a lifetime to live still. And so it doesn't even serve mm-hmm. him to to die along with his son. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Which I, I sort of watched happen with my I, you know what honestly when you said because I, I when you said your sister died in 2011 the thought came to me that part of the your mom started dying slowly then as well yes it was unprocessed unreleased grief and anger and all of the things because my sister she was 20 um one when she was diagnosed 23 when she passed and my mom spent two years like basically in the hospital on chair like watching all of that go down and so um yeah just the grief and the just anger and guilt and all of the things of like i can't i'm not a parent yet i hope to be one day but i can't imagine feeling um you know helpless to help your child and to and, watch and them yeah. take their pain and right did she die of the same um, and so i just same disease no, my sister had leukemia and my mom had ovarian cancer. But, um, you know, it's as I've through the years have done more and more work around this, I understand how much psycho emotional, psycho spiritual uh, stuff will will manifest um, as physical disease in the body and pressure and stress and how it all plays a role. We're all interconnected. And I just I say that because I I've been through it and I've watched it and. Um, I have so much compassion for people who are walking that, that hard road. And, um, my dad said something to me when my sister was diagnosed that changed my life. And I say, talk about this a lot on the show, but he, he sat us down as a family and he said, you have two choices. We have two choices as a family, hope or despair, and we're going to choose hope. And that was the first point I ever recognized that I had a choice of how I was going to perceive our circumstance. And, um, and that's the gift that we can give ourselves is that like, I do get to choose, I get, am I going to be defeated and I'm going to let this, this end me. And I just don't want to continue on or even the slightest bit of like, can I 
choose hope? Can I choose possibility? Can I choose opening myself up to just a little bit of support or love or somebody like calling somebody and sharing what I'm going through? Because there's there's a choice and, and that choice really is ours of how do we want to proceed? Because even in grief, it's not that I move on, I move forward and I get to decide how I move forward. That's so that. beautiful. Yeah. And also, you know, mm. you it's interesting is if you think about time, it's really all an illusion, right? We we create the confines of time, right? right. Like I only have eight hours in a day to work. I mean, who says? Or I, I, I can only do this mm-hmm. in the morning. I can't do it. In the day. We, we make all kinds of rules, but it's the same thing if you think about memories, right? And you think about experiences. Have you mm-hmm. ever, you know, gone back to a moment and it feels so real and visceral you actually feel like it's happening in this moment it is possible right so what happens to that their essence is still there they're still in our hearts and our minds Mm -hmm. and you can experience those moments again it's just not we have to get over the way that we think it should be i think that's a big part of it right yeah i think it is too because our perception of the way it should be that was the story i told they shouldn't have gotten cancer so-and-so shouldn't have broken my heart. My mom should be at my wedding, like you know, that my, guy. My, whatever. Right, it is. whatever. My boss should have never called me out and, you know, in that meeting and all the grudges and things that we're holding on to. And I think it was Peter Crone I heard him say at one point, he was like, saying it should be a certain way is like saying the sun should be on the other <laughs> side of the sky. <laughs> it's like we know, thinking we know best, like we are God and we know what should be happening and what I realized when I broke it down is like no one wants to be God no one wants that level of control we wouldn't know what to do with it if we had it and so if we really think about what do we can I be with what is like can I just be with things as they are right now it might not be ideal it might not be what I want it might not be best case scenario but can I not be in resistance to it because the resistance is what creates and i just suggest that people practice in small ways every day so when the bigger things in life happen Mm -hmm. those life quake moments we're better prepared to handle them yeah i totally agree how can people learn more about you and what you have going on Uh, i know you've got some exciting things you're working on you've got your own podcast uh, that you do with your husband called uh, Spiritually Hungry, which I want people to know about and be able to find. But what else is um, is on your plate that you're currently working on that you would love people to know uh, about? So how you can, can get check involved? out my two books that are out already, Fears on an Option and Rethink Love. Um, my first children's book that I co-wrote with my eight-year-old is coming out in the fall. It's all about how powerful it is that we are different and embracing our differences, and it focuses on different um, subject matters in each one. We have uh, 13 so far. Um, And then I'm working Mm -hmm. on my third book, All About Change. So I'll let you know when that comes out. Yeah, I'm really excited. And my blog um, is RethinkLife.today if you want to check that out too. Absolutely. We're going to put all of that in the show notes to make sure people can connect with you um, on social media, through your website and uh, through your podcast, uh, as well as get access to your to your book. Um, thank you for being here. I appreciate this time and sharing the space with yeah, you. Yeah, for me it's too. So it's a beautiful. great way to start the week, actually. Happy Monday. Mm, 
Good. Well, you guys, please, please, please go connect with Monica. Get one of her books or just connect with her online. And um, share this with a friend. It's the best way you can say thank you. I appreciate every single one of you who comes back every week and um, who has left a review. If you do so, we have a special gift for you. If you go to Apple or Spotify, you take a picture of your rating and your review and you send it to support at ToriGordon.com, we will send you a free gift. Um, so make sure you go over and do that. We would love to, to bless you and to say thank you for being part of the coachable community. Monica, till next time, go be coachable. We love you. Thank you. You're welcome back anytime. See you guys next week on the coachable podcast. You guys, if you love this show, do me a favor, please subscribe to the podcast. And if you feel called, leave a review. I would love to hear how the show is impacting you, but not only that, be a hero to somebody and share it with somebody in your life that needs to hear it. If you're getting value from it, I can guarantee it that someone else that you know would get value as well. And honestly, I wouldn't be here if somebody didn't share with me a podcast episode a couple years ago that absolutely changed my life and set me on the course that I am today. And I'm eternally grateful for that person. And you can be that person to someone else. So share it, share the love because you matter, they matter, and what you have to say matters. So I would love to hear if there's something in this episode that really stands out to you and is a ha aha moment, send me an email to media at ToriGordon.com. Let me know what it was that stuck out to you. What was your aha moment? Maybe where and around what time in the podcast that really spoke to you because my team and I love to hear that. We love to see and hear exactly what is speaking to your heart and it's helps us to serve you better. So please like, subscribe, share. You are helping this podcast continue to grow and get out to larger audiences that can help shape the world and bring more and light, love and healing to it. So thank you for your contribution and let's get on to the podcast. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.